Chapter Nine, Part One of Nana by Emile Zola, translated by Burton Rasco. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Nine, Part One. They were rehearsing the Little Duchess at the Variety Theatre. The first act had just been gone through, and they were about to commence the second. In two old armchairs placed close to the footlights, Fauchery and Bordenave were arguing together whilst the prompter old cassard a little hunchback was seated on a rush-bottomed chair a pencil between his lips turning over the leaves of the manuscript well what are you all waiting for suddenly exclaimed bordonnave thumping furiously on the boards with his heavy walking-stick barillot why don't you begin it's monsieur bosque he's disappeared replied barillot who was acting as assistant stage manager then there was quite a storm of shouts everyone called bosque bourdonnave cursed and swore damn it all it's always the same one may ring and call they're always where they oughtn't to be and then they grumble when they're kept after four o'clock busk however arrived with serene coolness hey what who wants me ah it's time for my entrance then why didn't you say so good simon give me my cue there are the guests arriving and i enter how am i to enter why through the door of course shouted fauchery losing patience yes but where is the door this time bordonnave attacked barillot cursing and swearing again and banging his stick on the board sufficient to split them damn it all i said a chair was to be placed there to represent the door every day i have to repeat the same thing Barrio, where's Barrio? There's another. They all bolt off. Barrio, however, bowing beneath the tempest, came and placed the chair without saying a word, and the rehearsal continued. Simone, with her bonnet on and enveloped in her fur cloak, assumed the airs of a servant arranging some furniture. She interrupted herself to say, "You know I am not very warm, so I shall keep my hands in my muff." Then, changing her voice, she greeted Bosque with a faint cry and said why it's the count you are the first sir and madame will be very pleased busk had on a muddy pair of trousers a big drab overcoat and an immense muffler rolled round his neck with his hands in his pockets and an old hat on his head he said in a hollow voice without any acting but merely dragging himself along do not disturb your mistress isabella i wish to give her a surprise the rehearsal went on bordenave scowling and buried in his armchair listened with an air of fatigue faucherie nervous and constantly changing his position was seized every minute with a desire to interrupt which however he repressed but he heard whispering behind him in the dark and empty house is she there he asked leaning towards bordenave the latter nodded his head before accepting the part of geraldine which he had offered her nana had wished to see the piece for she hesitated before agreeing to act the part of a gay woman what she longed for was to appear on the stage as a lady she was half hidden in the shadow of a box with la bordette who was exerting himself with bordenave for her faucherie glanced round at her and then gave all his attention to the rehearsal only the front of the stage was lighted up a large jet of gas issuing from a pipe erected at the junction of the footlights and the glare of which was disseminated by means of a powerful reflector looked like a great yellow eye in the semi-obscurity where it blazed with a sort of dubious sadness against the slender gas-pipe stood cassard holding up the manuscript close to the light which vividly exposed the outline of his hump 
then more in the shadow were faucherie and bordenave in the midst of the enormous structure this light which illumined the distance of a few yards only looked like the glimmer of a lantern fixed to a post at some railway station the actors appearing like so many strange phantoms with their shadows dancing before them the rest of the stage full of a kind of fine dust similar to that which hangs about houses in the course of demolition resembled a gigantic nave undergoing repair with its ladders its frameworks and its side scenes the faded paint on which imitated heaps of rubbish and the drop scenes suspended up aloft had an appearance of frippery hanging to the beams of some vast rag warehouse whilst a ray of sunshine which had penetrated through some window intersected the darkness above like a bar of gold at the back of the stage some of the actors were conversing together while waiting for their cues they had gradually raised their voices i say there will you keep quiet yelled bordenave who sprung from his chair in a rage i can't hear a word go outside if you want to talk we're working barriot if any one talks again i'll find the whole lot they held their tongues for a short time they formed a little group seated on a bench in some rustic chairs in a bit of a garden the first scene for the evening which was placed there ready to be fixed fontan and prulière were listening to rose mignon who had just received a splendid offer from the manager of the folie dramatique theatre but a voice called out the duchess saint firmin now then the duchess and saint firmin prulière did not recollect till the second call that he was saint firmin rose who played the part of the duchess hélène was waiting for him to make their entrance slowly dragging his feet over the vacant sonorous boards old busque returned to sit down then clarisse offered him half the bench what does he yell about like that for asked she speaking of bordenave it will be getting unbearable soon he can't bring out a new piece now without giving vent to his feelings in that way busque shrugged his shoulders he was above all those shindies fontan whispered he smells a failure i think it's a most idiotic piece then returning to rose's story he said to clarisse do you believe it eh three hundred francs a night and a hundred performances guaranteed why not a country-house into the bargain if his wife was offered three hundred francs mignon would chuck up bordenave and without warning too clarisse believed in the truth of the offer fontan was always running his comrades down but simone interrupted them she was shivering all well buttoned up and with scarves round their necks looked up at the sunbeam which shone without descending into the mournful coldness that hung about the stage outside it was freezing beneath a clear november sky and there's no fire in the green room said simone it's disgusting he's becoming beastly miserly i've a good mind to go home i don't want to be ill silence there cried bordenave again in a voice of thunder then for a few minutes nothing was heard but the confused voices of the actors they scarcely indicated the gestures and spoke in a quiet voice so as not to tire themselves however when they intended to score a point they glanced at the auditorium it appeared to them like an enormous hole in which floated a vague shadow similar to a fine dust confined in a big loft without windows the house which was in darkness except for the feeble light transmitted from the stage seemed wrapped in a troubled and melancholy sleep the paintings on the ceiling were veiled in obscurity from the top to the bottom of the stage boxes on the right and left hung immense breadths of coarse grey linen to protect the hangings 
and strips of the same material were thrown over the velvet of the balustrades girdling the balconies with a double winding sheet staining as it were the gloom with their pale tint in the general discoloration one could only distinguish the darker recesses of the boxes which indicated the different stories and the breaks caused by the seats the red velvet of which had a blackish look the great crystal gasolier lowered almost to the ground filled the stalls with its pendants and gave one the idea of a removal of a departure of the public on a journey from which it would never return rose in her part of the little duchess lost at the house of some fast woman just then advanced towards the footlights she raised her hands and pouted adorably to that dark empty house which was as sad as though it were in mourning good heavens what curious people said she accentuating the phrase certain of the effect at the back of the box in which she was seated nana wrapped in a large shawl was listening to the piece and devouring rose with her eyes she turned to la bordette and asked him in a low voice you're sure he's coming quite sure no doubt he will come with mignon as a pretext as soon as he arrives you must go up into mathilde's dressing-room and i will bring him there to you they were talking of count Mufa. it was an interview on neutral ground arranged by la bordette he had had a serious talk with bordenave whom two successive failures had brought to a very low ebb and bordenave had hastened to lend his theatre and offer a part to nana wishing to get on good terms with the count with the view of borrowing some money of him and the part of geraldine what do you think of it resumed la bordette but nana neither answered nor moved after the first act in which the author made the duc de beaurivage deceive his wife with the fair geraldine an operatic star came the second act where the duchess hélène went to the actresses on the night of a masked ball to learn by what magic power such creatures conquered and retained the husbands of better women it was a cousin the handsome oscar de st firmin who introduced her there hoping to seduce her and to her great surprise as a first lesson she heard geraldine abusing the duke in the language of a navvy whilst the latter seemed to be delighted this sight drew from her the cry ah well if that's the way the men must be spoken to this was about the only scene geraldine had in the act as for the duchess she was soon punished for her curiosity an old beau the baron de tardivaux took her for one of the gay women and attacked her vigorously whilst on the other side beaurivage made it up with geraldine who was reclining in an easy-chair and kissed her as the part of the latter was not filled up old cassard had risen to read it and he accentuated certain passages in spite of himself and acted in bosque's arms they had reached this scene the rehearsal dragged on tediously when suddenly faucherie jumped up from his chair he had restrained himself till then but his nerves had at length got the better of him that isn't it he exclaimed the actors paused their arms dangling beside them fontan screwing up his nose asked in a sneering way what what isn't it you're all wrong it's not that at all not that at all resumed faucherie who marched about the stage gesticulating and went through the scene look here fontan you must understand tardivaux's excitement you lean forward like this with this gesture to seize hold of the duchess and you rose it's then that you pass quickly like this but not too soon not till you hear the kiss he interrupted himself and called to cassard in the heat of his explanations geraldine give the kiss loud so that it can be well heard old cassard turned towards busk and smacked his lips vigorously 
good that's the kiss said faucherie jubilantly give the kiss once more now you see rose i've had time to pass and then i utter a faint cry ah she has kissed him but for that tardivaux must follow you towards the back of the stage do you hear fontan you must follow her to the back of the stage now try it over again and all together the actors went through the scene a second time but fontan played his part with such ill-will that it was worse than ever twice again faucherie gave his directions acting the mimic each time with more warmth they all listened to him in a mournful way looked at one another for an instant as though he had asked them to walk on their heads and then awkwardly tried again to stop almost directly with the rigidity of puppets whose strings have just been broken no it's too much for me i can't understand it fontan ended by saying in his insolent tone of voice during all this while bodonev had not opened his lips buried in the depths of his armchair one could only see by the pale light of the gas-jet the top of his hat which he had pulled over his eyes and his immense stomach in front of which was his walking-stick abandoned between his legs and one would have thought him asleep suddenly he rose up my young friend it's absurd said he to faucherie in a quiet tone of voice how absurd exclaimed the author turning very pale you are absurd yourself my boy bordenave at once flew into a passion he repeated the word absurd and seeking for something stronger substituted imbecile and idiotic it would be hissed they would never be allowed to finish the act and as faucherie exasperated though not particularly offended by his abuse which occurred each time they rehearsed a new piece together roundly called him a brute bordenave lost all control of himself he twirled his stick in his hand and breathing like a mad bull exclaimed damnation go to the deuce there's another quarter of an hour wasted in stupidity yes stupidity there's not the least particle of common sense in it and yet it's so simple you fontan you're not to budge you rose you make a little movement like this you know but no more and then you come forward now try it that way off you go cassard give the kiss the scene went no better the confusion became greater then bordenave also began to mimic with the gracefulness of an elephant whilst faucherie stood by sneering and shrugging his shoulders in a pitying sort of way then fontan mixed himself up in it and even busk ventured to give his advice rose quite tired out had finished by sitting down on the chair which indicated the door no one any longer knew what they were about to crown the confusion simone thinking she heard her cue made her entrance too soon in the midst of the disorder this so enraged bordenave that whirling his stick round in a terrible manner it alighted with great force on her posterior he often struck the women who had been his mistresses during rehearsals she rushed off pursued by this furious cry take that home with you and damn it all i'll shut up the show if i'm bothered any more faucherie had pressed his hat down on his head and pretended to leave the theatre but he remained standing at the back of the stage and came forward again when he saw bordenave return to his armchair in a frightful state of perspiration he resumed his own seat they remained a short time side by side without stirring whilst complete silence reigned throughout the house the actors waited nearly two minutes they all seemed to be in a state of the greatest dejection as though they had just gone through a most fatiguing task well continue 
said bordonnave at length in his ordinary tone of voice and perfectly calm yes continue repeated faucherie we will arrange the scene to-morrow and they stretched themselves out and the rehearsal resumed its course of tediousness and supreme indifference during the row between the manager and the author fontan and the others had had a most enjoyable time at the back seated on the bench in the rustic chairs they had laughed quietly among themselves with numerous grunts and witty remarks but when simone returned with her whack behind and her voice broken by sobs they went in for tragedy saying that in her place they would have strangled the old pig she wiped her eyes nodding her head the while it was all over she would leave him more especially as steiner the day before had offered to provide for her clarisse was lost in astonishment the banker was without a sou but prulière laughed and reminded her of how the confounded jew had advertised himself by means of rose when he had been working the shares of the salt-works of the land just then he had another project a tunnel under the bosphorus simone listened very much interested as for clarisse she had been in an awful rage for a week past that beast la faloise whom she had flung into gaga's venerable arms had just inherited the property of a very rich uncle she had no luck she was always warming the house for the next tenant then that brute bordonnave had only given her a wretched part of fifty lines when she could very well have played geraldine she was longing for the part and had great hopes that nana would refuse it well and i said prulière indignantly i haven't two hundred lines i wish to decline the part it's an insult to ask me to play that saint firmin it's as bad as being shelved and what a piece my friends you know it'll be an awful fiasco here simone who had been talking with old barillot returned and said all out of breath i say nana's here whereabouts asked clarisse rising quickly from her seat to see the news passed rapidly from one to the other every one leant forward to have a look for an instant the rehearsal was interrupted but bordonnave suddenly roused himself and yelled well what's the matter finish the act can't you and keep quiet you over there the row you kick up is intolerable nana was still watching the piece from her box la bordette had twice addressed her but she had impatiently pushed him with her elbow to make him leave off the second act was just about ending when two figures appeared at the back of the stage as they walked down to the front on the tips of their toes so as not to make any noise nana recognized mignon and count mifa who nodded in silence to bordonnave ah there they are murmured she with a sigh of relief rose mignon gave the last cue then bordonnave said that they must go through the second act again before touching the third one and leaving the rehearsal he greeted the count with most exaggerated politeness whilst faucherie pretended to be wholly engaged with the actors around him mignon whistled quietly to himself with his hands behind his back and looking tenderly at his wife who seemed rather nervous well shall we go up asked la bordette of nana i will make you comfortable in the room and then come back for him nana left the box at once she had to feel her way along the passage which led to the boxes and stalls but bordonnave guessed she was there as she was hurrying along in the dark and he caught her up at the end of the corridor which passed behind the stage a narrow place where the gas was kept burning night and day there so as to get the matter settled quickly he at once attacked her about the part of geraldine eh hey, what a part what go there is in it 
it is exactly suited to you come to-morrow to rehearsal nana kept very cool she wished to see the third act oh the third act is superb the duchess plays at being a fast woman in her own home which disgusts Borivage and gives him a lesson and then there's a very funny imbroglio tardivo arrives and thinking he is at some dancers and what does geraldine do in all that interrupted nana geraldine repeated bordenave slightly embarrassed she has a scene not very long but a capital one the part is a splendid one for you i tell you come and sign an agreement now for a few seconds she looked him straight in the face and then replied we'll talk it over by and by and she joined la bordette who was waiting for her on the stairs every one in the theatre had recognized her they were all whispering together her return quite scandalized Prudière, and clarisse was very uneasy about the part she was longing for as for fontan he pretended supreme indifference it was not for him to abuse a woman he had loved in his heart in his old infatuation now turned to hatred he entertained a ferocious grudge against her on account of her devotion to him of her beauty and of that dual existence which he had severed through the perversion of his monster-like inclinations however when la bordette returned and went up to the count rose mignon already put on her guard from the knowledge of nana's presence suddenly understood what was going on Mifa bored her immensely but the thought of being thrown over in that fashion was too much for her she broke the silence she usually maintained with her husband on those matters and said to him bluntly you see what is going on well i give you my word that if she tries on the steiner dodge again i will scratch her eyes out mignon calm and serene shrugged his shoulders with the air of a man who sees everything be quiet will you he murmured just oblige me by holding your tongue he knew what he was about he had got pretty well all he could out of Mifa. he felt that on a sign from nana the count was ready to lie down and be her footstool it was impossible to fight with such a passion as his and so knowing what men are his only thought was to get the most he could out of the situation he must wait and see how things went and he waited rose it's your scene cried bordenave the second act over again go resumed mignon leave me to manage this then in his bantering way he amused himself by complimenting faucherie on his piece it was a capital play only why was his grand lady so extremely virtuous it was not natural and he jeeringly asked who was the original of the duc de beaurivage the fool whom geraldine did what she liked with faucherie far from being annoyed began to smile but bordenave glancing in the direction of mifa seemed annoyed and that made mignon serious again and set him thinking damn it all are we ever going to begin yelled the manager look sharp barriot hey busk isn't there does he think he's going to make a fool of me any longer but at that moment bus quietly appeared and took his place the rehearsal recommenced just as la bordette went off with the count the latter trembled at the thought of seeing nana again after their rupture he had felt himself alone in the world he had allowed himself to be led to rose not knowing how to employ his time and thinking he was merely suffering from the alteration in his habits besides in the state of stupor in which he then was he wished to be ignorant of everything forbidding himself to seek nana and avoiding an explanation with the countess 
it seemed to him that he owed that oblivion to his dignity but there was a secret power at work and nana slowly reconquered him by his recollections by the weaknesses of his flesh and by new feelings exclusive tender and almost paternal the abominable scene in which he had taken part was forgotten he no longer beheld Fontan, he no longer heard nana ordering him out as she twitted him with his wife's adultery they were mere words which passed by as soon as they were uttered whilst in his heart there remained a sting the pangs of which almost suffocated him his thoughts at times became quite childish he accused himself imagining that she would not have deceived him had he really loved her his agony became intolerable and he was most unhappy it was like the smart of an old wound no longer that blind and impatient desire putting up with anything but a jealous love of that woman a need of her alone of her hair of her mouth of her body that haunted him whenever he recalled the sound of her voice a tremor ran through his limbs he longed for her with the exigencies of a miser and infinite delicacy and this love had seized upon him so grievously that at the first words labordette uttered when sounding him respecting an interview he threw himself into his arms by an irresistible movement ashamed afterwards of having given way in a manner so ridiculous for a man of his rank but labordette knew how to see and forget he gave another proof of his tact in leaving the count at the foot of the stairs with these simple words quickly uttered on the second floor turn to the right the door is only pushed to Mifa found himself alone in this silent corner of the building as he passed by the green room he noticed through the open doors the dilapidation of the vast apartment which in the daylight appeared in a disgraceful state through dirt and constant wear and tear but what surprised him on his leaving the noise and semi-obscurity of the stage were the bright clear light the intense quietude of that staircase which he had seen one night smoky with gas and sonorous with the rush of women scurrying about from floor to floor one could tell the dressing-rooms were unoccupied the passages deserted for there was not a soul not a sound whilst through the small square windows on a level with the stairs entered the pale november sun in the yellow rays of which an infinitesimal dust distorted itself whilst a death-like peacefulness hung over all he felt happy in this silence and calm he mounted the stairs slowly trying not to get out of breath his heart bounded against his breast and he was seized with the fear of acting like a child with sighs and tears then when he reached the first landing he leant against the wall certain of not being seen and holding his handkerchief to his mouth he looked at the warped steps at the iron hand railings shining from the constant friction at the soiled walls at all the wretchedness which gave the place the look of some low brothel displayed in all its bareness at that drowsy hour of the afternoon when the girls are sleeping when he arrived at the second landing he had to step over a big turtle-shell cat curled up asleep on the top stair with its eyes half closed this cat watched all alone over the house always in a state of somnolency from the cool and stuffy odours left behind there every night by the women in the passage on the right the door of the dressing-room was as la Bordette had said only pushed to nana was waiting there that little slut of a mathilde kept her dressing-room in a slovenly state there were cracked pots scattered all about a dirty wash-hand basin and a chair stained with rouge as though someone had been bleeding on the rush seat the paper which covered the walls and the ceiling was splashed all over with soapy water there was such a stench there such a smell of lavender turned musty that nana opened the window 
she stood there for a minute breathing the fresh air and leaning out to catch a glimpse of madame bron whom she heard vigorously sweeping the green flagstones on the shady side of the narrow courtyard a canary in a cage hung up against a shutter was uttering some piercing roulades one could not hear the sounds of the vehicles on the boulevard or in the neighbouring streets all was as peaceful as in the country though the sun but seldom penetrated there on raising her eyes nana saw the little buildings and the shining glass roofs of the galerie of the passage then farther off in front of her the high houses of the rue vivienne the backs of which were so devoid of life that they seemed empty terraces rose one above another on a roof a photographer had perched an enormous cage of blue glass it looked very gay nana was becoming absorbed in contemplating the scene when she thought she heard a knock at the door she turned round and called out come in End of chapter 9, part 1